0: Welcome to FMG Miniso 10, I believe it is. I'm here with Alex Ledby, a previous guest, and he's editor at ScreenRant.com. How you doing today, Alex?
1: I'm very good, very busy, but squeezing in some time to talk about my favourite film of the year so far. Incidentally, it's
0: my favourite film of the year too. Now, for all of the people (laughs) listening here, if you haven't seen Blade Runner 2049, you're best to just stop listening now and go and fucking see it. Um, See Blade Runner, the final cut. Um, We are just going to pick apart Blade Runner 2049, kind of in the hope as well that this may maybe encourage some um, listeners who haven't seen it. Go to the cinema, see it. It is just an amazing film. I, I was lucky enough to see it in IMAX 3D at Cineworld Leicester Square, which is where you managed to see it. Is that correct? I saw it
1: I saw it in the impact screening at Cineworld Leicester Square oh. because the press screening was so big that some people got shunted off into the uh, slightly smaller impact. It was still very big, and it's definitely one of those see-on-the-big-screen movies.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, spoilers are just going to start now. If you haven't seen it, fuck off. Come back to this. If you have, Hi. let us begin. So, um, with the IMAX um, one, they done like you know they do a special ten nine eight countdown. They done it Blade Runner themed, and the opening that's cool. the opening scene of the uh, opening shot of it was an eye opening, and that you know that mirrored um, Batty in um, well, uh, in in uh, Blade Runner one. But my first question is, who's? You think that's
1: Batty at the start of Blade Runner?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 what I think it is. It's like he's landed, he's looking over LA, and he's seeing the big pyramid of the Tyrell Corporation as the um, camera sort of zooms in there before they interview. What's his name? I'm terrible with names, listeners, as you know. Blade Runner is one my all-time favourite film, so so yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think Batty opened uh, Batty's Eye opened the uh, first film, but but who do you think opened the second film?
1: Um, I mean, I would definitely say it's Rachel. Um, yeah. Sean Young is only in the movie for a very short period of time, CGI age, but I Rachel is essential to the movie. Um, her and Deckard's kid is so important. And the film makes a big point in one of its later reveals that Rachel has green eyes, and the eye that opens is green. And also, I believe that the eye at the start of the first movie is Rachel as well. Well, I'm now going to quickly check that it is indeed green, but... Um, okay. I think it's Rachel at the start of the first one, so I think Rachel opens both
0: movies. I, I thought it was blue. Now, my, my theories are it could be the um, the kid, um, Deckard and Rachel's kid, whose name I can't remember. It could be her. And I, oh, I like that. Actually. That's probably her. And I did read a theory that the whole film is a memory implant in Deckard in either for him to um, seek out his daughter. Now, that's metaphysical. I read for it, and it doesn't make any sense due to various key plot points. Um, Mark yeah, Millar's
1: theory. Sorry? Mark Millar's theory.
0: Um, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's where I read it. And, yeah, I'm like, yeah. It, 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 makes,
1: that, it makes no sense. It misreads the film. It misreads key elements.
0: Yeah, and, you, you know, the film, I do like how it's deep. It's like the first film and Battlestar Galactica and a lot of sci-fi that I like. It really does ask the question, what makes something human what really defines it is it actions is it thoughts is it emotions and it, you know they just went right in there from the beginning um, right into the end the the ending shot I love that as well and it, it was brilliant you know it channeled and mirrored the um, the first one perfectly
1: uh, now you've said it could be um, Anna Selene Deckard and Rachel's daughter I'm now feeling fairly certain that it's actually her eye that's a much go. better reasoning than mine and it fits in the story tighter. Give me a name drop if you put that
0: in a future article. <laughs> so,
1: I will, I will. Um, no, I think that's, that's good. I'm um, both saying it's Rachel in the first one, though, but it doesn't matter. Um, I think it makes sense to be an Anna, but I don't think the theory works. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't either. So um, this
0: is going to be a mini so. so we've got a few points to just shoot right through. So um, yeah. yeah sure, so no, no doves. No doves in this one. So No narration. Sorry? No narration, you mean? No, doves, you know, like um, the symbol... Oh, doves, doves, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, No, I guess that's symbolism that they didn't want to needlessly evoke. I think John Woo's kind of done Dosed to Death.
0: Yeah, with that. And, like, you know, to one of my um, future points here... Actually, no, I'll come to that in a minute. Also, um, Jared Leto. Um, I didn't really... Really good. Yeah, I didn't really like him in Suicide Squad because I didn't like Suicide Squad. But, yeah, he's brilliant in that.
1: Love that. Jared Leto's been in some rubbish films, but in this one he's great and he's given... A very tough job because he's got to explain so much and explain so much of the themes of the film. And yet he manages to really sell it. He's completely lost in the role.
0: It's yeah, great. With that, and, you know, the whole um, the birthday scene, you know, where he um, births a replicant in order to talk about angels and then cut its belly open until it dies. That was great. That was just captivating, that.
1: Yeah, and um, that all and all his talk of slavery and his sort of aggrandizing it works so well. Danny Villeneuve, the director, described him on set as being like Jesus, and people go got like really uppity him. about that because people hate things being compared wow. to Jesus. But in this movie, he thinks himself as God. He thinks yeah. himself as this ruler. Mm-hmm. So I think it, and he really embodies that. And I can, he's such a strong presence. And um, I think in the scene he has with Deckard at the end. Where he's sort of convinced, trying to convince him that he is a replicant and trying to get information out of him. He's so menacing and so just sort of calculated.
0: Yeah, and the, the whole bit we mentioned earlier when Rachel walks in a part of me like as, as I said to you basically listeners um, I haven't seen any trailers I haven't read any reviews I just went into the film Saturday morning watched it and loved it now I did say that there's absolutely no reason that any of the other replicants from Blade Runner 1 could turn up in this film because at the end of the day they're created in a factory and then the bit where Rachel walks on I was just a bit giddy because you've got all of that build up With, um, you know, Wallace talking about um, maybe it was love at first sight. Maybe it was mathematical precision. Maybe Tyrell, you know, made you and her in order to breed and to, you know, be like the first procreating replicants. Fucking love that bit.
1: Um, And also bringing replicants back, I'm so happy they didn't bring back Roy Batty or Rutger Howard Because I so expected that. But the, the fact they didn't is very good because this isn't Roy Batty's story, it's Kay's story, it's Deckard's story, it doesn't need that, that would be fan service, and I think the movie does a great job between, you know, fan bait and, uh, and actual, you know, new fresh plot, very good.
0: Yeah. So you talk about fan bait there, um, quoting Mark Commode, he said that on his second viewing he breathed a sigh of relief, for me, um, in, you know, about 15 minutes into the film, right? So the opening shots, it's got the look, it's got the music for it. And then, you know, they find Rachel's bones. It's like, Rachel had a kid. At that moment, I was absolutely hooked into the storyline and I was relieved, like, yes, they are going to do this film properly. And right until the end, you know, two hours, 45 minutes later, they did. It's fantastic.
1: I mean, I, you know, with the moment they said that Rachel had a kid, I was like, right, well, K is the kid. And I, Deckard's the father, and I was like, I've got this movie sorted out. Denny, I beat you. And I love that the movie totally wants you to think that Kay is the kid. They make such a big deal of how special he is and of the horse story and everything. And the twist in the movie is that he's not the kid. Yeah. It's great. It's a complete subversion of the monomyth and the idea that he's special. It's um, it's really well structured. It does go for broke. And it's exactly what you want from a blader and a sequel. It tells a new story that works by itself
0: yeah so like with the whole um, is he the kid is he not you know, the first thing that i thought of was hang on the date on the tree you know the um i think it's um, october no 10th of june 2030 now it's we... it's uh, 6th of october
1: it's um Amer- american dating
0: there we go yeah that is one of the two so um i was wondering is that a birth date or is that rachel's death date and you've got photo the the photo of rachel holding a kid and then it's Mar- not Ra- that's
1: rachel holding no. the kid that's um fraser the leader of the resistance oh, oh, rachel the... Died in childbirth. that date there is rachel's death day and uh, anna's birthday Thank you for clearing that one up there, because
0: I thought, yes, you know, he died afterwards. But um, yeah, no, that that makes a lot more sense. And you know, going through the film, I was questioning. Hang on, if Ryan Gosling's supposed to be this 19-year-old, he looks a bit old. But then again, it's rep. 29-year-old. 29-year-old. 2021 through to
1: 2049 is 29 years. 28 years.
0: There we go. Okay, maths is obviously not my 29 years.
1: Point. <laughs> maths is not my strong point. I don't matter union. I'm struggling with this. Yeah,
0: with that. Tell me what, let's move on to another point. Back to Wallace. yes, let's. You know, it symbolised that he literally has blind ambition. And um, watching the film, I'm like, wait, he's got those little floating cameras around the place. And then I went on to the shorts because I enjoyed, uh, completely avoided the free prequel short films that fill in the gaps. They're brilliant, by the way. And then you've got the one with Wallace in it, and yeah, yeah, he's blind. Um, we, did, you, you've seen all three of the shorts right
1: yeah i watched I watched them before the movie um because I wanted to see and it's my job to be up to date with this stuff so, but um i I really like them, but they kind of become irrelevant after the first ten minutes of the film yeah. like it's a great way to get up to speed and learn everything, but you don't need them to follow the film. The film works as its own little enclosed thing, but they do they expand the world but not maybe the story
0: right. No. So see, one little petty one, uh, petty thing I've got about the um, short with Wallace in it. So he walks into the meeting late with a replicant and orders the replicant to kill him himself. Um, how does he get home? Does, does one of the other guys just call him a
1: cab? <laughs> yeah, he has to ask him to call him an Uber if they still have Uber in LA in 2036. Um, the, my main problem with the shorts is that they're just not as well directed as the movie, like... Denny Villeneuve introduces them and goes, "Oh, my good friend Luke Scott directed them." It's like, you mean Ridley Scott's son? You mean yeah. your good friend? You know, the the previous director told you that you had to make them. Yeah, like they're not they're not the most competent things. They're kind of a vanity project, but they're kind of fun.
0: I, I love the animated one, but I'm a fan of anime and the animation, oh, yeah. so that was brilliant. Mm. And that explained the blackout. Because, you know, quite rightly, um, you know, I, I, listeners, I was asking Alex, because he saw the film like six days before I did, will the shorts give away any spoilers? And, you know, in a way, yes. Because I liked finding out about the blackout in the film when, you, you know, they went to that library and they had the glass marbles with the data in it with the um, sort of voice um, and video recordings of Rachel's boy camp test. And I liked little nonce like that throughout the film. They were great.
1: But at the same time, it's not really a spoiler to know the blackout exists or, or whatever. It's not essential to this story at all. It's just something that exi- that happened in the world. It's no different to um, something in our distant past. Like I don't know, I don't know anything. I, but I it's it's, it's it's. I think the short, the shorts, the shorts work well. Uh, I think they're definitely worth watching if you've seen the movie. If you've not seen the movie, it's entirely up to you whether you just like whether you like watching trailers or not or not.
0: Um, you got when Joe was talking to Robin White, the uh, the police chief. You know, hey, he's never killed. The, sorry,
1: Joshy. She's called Joshy.
0: There you go. Um, broken glass hand, lady. Um. You know, it gets raised at, has Joe ever killed retired a human before? Somebody who's been born, which goes into being born having a soul. But the bit where the spinners shot down over the junkyard, he blatantly kills about five or six of them before the rockets land. And that isn't built on. So it's like, what, has he killed before in self-defence? It seems like a bit of a plot hole there.
1: I guess the explanation that I'm just thinking, I'm not... you raise this plot hole now i've not heard it before would be that the people who live in san diego are replicants and all accepted as replicants and the reason they live out in the terrestrial landscape and not la itself is because they are replicants who've been ostracized from society because we do know that replicants are treated negatively for so the skin job on on the job and they've uh, drawn on his front door and stuff so Fuck off, yeah. that'd be the explanation but it's I've not thought of that. That is genuinely a sort of a wait-a-minute moment.
0: Yeah, with that. Because also, as well, then he goes to the um, the um, factory warehouse thing where the orphans are just stripping parts. I'm like, So they're inside a place that's infested with replicants. It doesn't make much sense. But anyway, moving on, um, I don't know the name of her, but I call her Bitchbot. You know, Wallace. Love. Uh, lup is... love. Love, that's her there. You know, every time a a replicant died, she cried. Yes. I I quite like that, you know, but she didn't have any problem killing everyone else. And a friend of mine raised a very good point. You know when um, later on in the film where um, Joe, he discovers Deckard in Vegas, she leaves Joe there um, to be rescued and found, but she doesn't just kill him like she has with everyone else who's gotten
1: in her way? Because does she kill a replicant at any point in the movie? Ooh. Oh wait, she, well no, she does. If the, the people in the junkyard are replicants, because she bombs them. Yeah. But uh, she, I think, she, yeah, she's very interesting because she is Wallace's stooge, almost an Uncle Tom kind of figure, worki- figure working against replicant rights um, as his sort of second in command. She has her own like self-made glass ceiling. It's quite, it's quite interesting, and she's an interesting part of Wallace's entire sort of ephemera. Yeah, uh, and um, and has a weird relationship with Cage or whatever you call him because of you know the I'm the best line. I'm the best word. replicant, and I think she. There's many ways to read her. Whether she's pity rep, pities replicants or wants to you know rule replicants as a replicant. Yeah, with
0: that, and like yeah, also um, going by the shorts as well. Jared Leto has an A's. And he's got cybernetic enhancements. So it wouldn't surprise me if actually Wallace um, himself is a replicant. And the actual original Wallace is like sitting in a freezer somewhere, waiting for the technology to come out. And also the talk about how they've um, colonised like nine different star systems. Wouldn't it be interesting if there's a different Wallace in
1: charge of all of them? I would like that, because they don't call it Wallace... Corporation HQ they call it Wallace Corporation Earth HQ. Yeah. So they make cl- there's no indication and because everyone's left Earth, the people who are left on Earth don't want to be on Earth. It's quite possible that the real Wallace will have left. And that was actually going to be the twist in the original Blade Runner. Really? In the original Blade Runner, uh Batty was going to kill uh Tyrell and really? Tyrell's face was going to fall apart into nuts and bolts <laughs> and he'd go upstairs and discover the real Tyrell was in a sleeping pod.
0: That's pre- I haven't heard that before, but that's pretty cool. Mm. I like
1: Good that. Up. Yeah, <laughs> so I was actually expecting them to do that in this movie, because they obviously reused the deleted uh, scene at the, the start of house. the movie. Batista's death is based on a very famous uh, <sighs> deleted scene.
0: Sorry, just coughing
1: here. No.
0: Yeah, but I, I did love Batista in that as well. It's, it, you know, he's, not, he's no longer just playing big fucks. He actually had a bit of heart and soul.
1: He's a good actor. Yeah. I mean, Drax, Drax has that as well. Um, I think he's shown, shown quite a bit of range. Um, and yeah, he's only in the film for all five minutes, but he gets to do a bit of action, a bit of emotion. And his line, you've never seen a miracle, is so key to the end of the movie and to Kay's relationship with Joy. So it's very important. So I've,
0: it's so many things I loved about the, this film. Mm-hmm. You, you know, great. The, I could talk about it for hours. The, the looks, you said it. We can't, though, because this is a mini-sode. So I'm just going to jump back Thanks. on points now. Um, today is Tuesday the 10th of October. It came out on Thursday the 5th of October, I believe. And lots of news has been going around about how the film's been a flop. Now, I'm a bit saddened by this, and I'm also not quite surprised. Because, um, you know, it's not your typical... Hollywood film, you know, there's various reasons I've read. You know, it was advertised as an action film. The fact that it is so long, they're squeezing less showings per day in a cinema as well. Um, On a positive note, apparently it's done extremely well in the UK with a 6.07 million opening weekend.
1: Um, The box office, it has done well internationally, about 50 million in total from international markets and 30 million from domestic... The thing is, eighty million opening weekend isn't the worst thing. But if your movie costs in the range of one hundred and fifty-five million to one hundred and eighty-five million, that is bad. It costs the movie costs too much from what it could feasibly make back. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, like that broke down how the reason that movies were bombing so badly this summer is entirely because there's too much money being spent on them. But there's a difference between King Arthur, which had a similar budget to Blade Runner and looked terrible and did terrible and Blade Runner itself, because Blade Runner is a really well-made movie, and every penny is on screen, like, the visuals are incredible, and the amount of time and effort that's evidently gone into getting very talented people it shows. Yeah, is it... And so, Go ahead. it's one of those movies where it bombed because of its budget, but you can't say that was a bad thing, because the movie is good, and it could win... Potentially, win Oscars. It's definitely yeah. been discussed for actor and picture and director, but will most certainly win cinematography and be a strong contender in the technicals. And another thing with Blade Runner bombing is that it's made the original Blade Runner relevant again. It's made it a film that people want to check out. It's improved Blade Runner's legacy. So the movie may not make all its money back, but what it's done to the brand, I think, will help.
0: Exactly. Yeah. and you know, it's it's obvious that this film was a labour of love, and I've got a little theory here, you know, um, lots of critics have seen it, you know, the five star reviews, but it's been getting amazing word of mouth. I, was, I went to a Scarpunk gig afterwards, there a few people there who'd seen it and they're completely blown away by it by me. So I'm hoping this is very optimistic, may not happen. But do you remember years ago where like a film would open at, say, number three and then the next week it will jump up to number one?
1: Yeah,
0: hoping something like that would happen I mean
1: it opened at number one But I don't think that will happen Because you've got in the next couple of months Thor, Justice League, Star Wars Like the moment Thor Ragnarok opens That's it, Blade Runner's I I, I mean you might be right Maybe it'll crawl up But I think it it won't make big big bucks In the face of those movies surely
0: But then also if it is going for Oscars There'll probably be an Oscar re-release
1: True, true.
0: Yeah, which I'm up for. his I want to go and read what, what's his film on Saturday, but it, it's it's one of those event things where, um, yes, when I do get a massive 4K TV, 60 inch, whatnot, this will be the film I will be testing it on. Um, but yeah, you know, I'd like to go and see it in the cinema at least one more time. I've done that with all the Star Wars films as well. And um, an- another thing which I think is quite funny: loads of people saying, "Oh yeah, Blade Runner one flopped." And was um, it grew through home releases? But nowadays people don't really buy Blu-rays or DVDs. It's generally streaming, downloading. People do the premium renting and buying on it. But I don't know. I don't know the um, the the sums involved in that. How profitable it can be?
1: Um, I I don't know either. But it, there is money in it, and streaming isn't free. The uh, you know Netflix or whoever has to pay money to the. Distributor, so they still make money from the home video it's just a different uh setup and i think that's the thing when they make blade runner 2049 they're not making it to make a big quick buck in 2017 and then be forgotten about they put so much money into making it good so it's something we're talking about in the real 2049 they want it to last as long as the original blade runner they wanted to stand alongside it the way that godfather part two stands alons- alongside the godfather and i think it's going to have legs beyond the box office, whether it can pull back or not, who knows, but I'm fairly certain that the movie will eventually recoup itself just by existing as, you know, one of the films of the decade kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and it is an absolutely amazing film, without doubt it is well, both of our films of the year.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, Alex, thank you very much for um, being well, being a returning guest on the FMG Film Music Game podcast. Everybody listening, go to Scream around there, check out his articles and all of the other um, people who write on there. It's now. I've replayed-
1: written a bunch of Blade Runner articles um, that you should definitely check out. Especially, I did a big ending explainer that was about three thousand words, and I go into so much more detail than I have here. Definitely read that. I'm also writing a really cool theory about K that uh, I don't think anyone else has come up with yet. So keep an eye out for that.
0: Brilliant. Cool. Well, Alex, thank you very much. And all the listeners, thanks for listening to FMG. Have a good one.
1: Thanks. Bye.